This is a global original podcast. Hi and welcome to Confessions of a Modern Parent. The podcast where my husband Mark and I discuss the challenges, difficulties, frustrations and ultimately the joys of being parents and step-parents to four wonderful, talented, beautiful daughters aged between 25 and 12. Well, here we are again, another... Is that music going? Is the music going underneath our voices now? Yes, it is. There it goes. Uh, so, here we go. Therapy, teenagers and therapy. Should they go? When they go? Will they go? Is it of any good? How any use? Is it any good? Go? Yeah. Does it work? Does it work for everyone? Is it a bad idea for some people? How should are they good and bad counsellors? Should you support them as parents? Yeah, we, we cover all of that. But also, we have two very moving... Mm. Uh, well, maybe Maddie's isn't so much moving, but very interesting, what she says. But I, I get very <laughs> emotional when I hear Carlitos's contribute contribution to this so incredible that we have a young male voice within this podcast and somebody that is so articulate and is so open and honest and he shares his experience of counselling and I was really blown away by it. And I would like to say to anyone who thinks therapy, no, that's navel gazing like my nan always thought and my granddad always thought oh no, just slap yourself around the face, it's all about being, you're just a teenager, get on and get on with it get up and get on with it, just pause Spend however long this takes just listening to us. Mm. We're going to discuss the pros and cons, mm. the rights and wrongs. You get mm. bad therapists, you get good therapists, you, get, you know. Is it a solution? Can it ever be a solution? Sometimes. Maybe it's a solution. <laughs> Hello, Miss Swala. Hello, your hair looks very nice. Oh, thanks. Sorry for those just listening and not seeing, but Mark's hair looks lovely. Maybe we should have this on YouTube too. We've had lots of nice comments this week about... Uh, Podcast people saying they actually sit there just waiting for a new one to land. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, oh, I, I, I listen to some podcasts, and if there's really irritating jangly music at the front, I tend to turn off. And I, <laughs> I know we've got slightly irritating jangly music, but hopefully people aren't turning off, which is good. I just, I'm just devastated they can't see you because has any man in the history of the world ever suddenly got curly hair Have I at the age got of curly 50? Hair? Honestly, Mark, it's gone curly. That's so strange. <laughs> But anyway, we digress. Yeah. Confessions of a modern parent. And this week we are talking... Confessions teens. of a modern curly-haired parent. Yeah, teens or young people and counselling and what we all think about it. So are we talking counselling as in, not like school counsellor, you know, like we used to have a school counsellor, which was like a nurse who would sort of, you'd go in and you'd say, I'm a bit worried about something. And they'd go, they'd counsel you and they'd go, don't worry about it, it'd be absolutely fine. Now off you pop. Really? Yeah, we had. I can't remember what her name was, but we had to go and see the school counsellor. I thought that that was such a new thing when I hear about... Obviously, our children are both homeschooled, so we don't know how schools are run anymore. They've been out of school for yeah, six years. I don't years. even think they use pens. But, so, but when my sister tells me about... Because my sister works in a primary school, but when she tells me about friends of hers that work in secondary schools... You know, she's always saying, oh, oh yeah, they, they've got four counsellors or this school has got three counsellors. Or... And I thought it was just, uh, you know, indicative of the time. Yeah, but our counsellor, it was very much, as I say, it was like, a count- I mean, the counsellor I went to see, I think she multitasked as a dinner lady and as the librarian. So I think there was a lot of slippage between roles. I think it was the idea was quite simply, I'll counsel you. To go away. To go away and sort your shit out. We had the most glamorous nurse you have ever seen. She looked exactly like Rula Lenska in her heyday. Thick, red hair with Farrah Fawcett flicks. Did you wear catsuits? High heels. 
And whatever was your problem, she would put a lolly stick into your mouth, make you say, ah... Oh, my God. Give you a little pat and a, and a biscuit. And a, this was secondary school. This was a... What was her stage name? School. I think I might have dated her. I don't her. know. I never know what I was saying. <laughs> and a glass of water and tell you you'd be fine and then you'd be sent Bloody off. Bloody hell. That would be it. That's what I mean. I, need, I mean, back in the day, you know, any idea of counselling or therapy, I mean, it wasn't even a consideration. You would just go to someone who would say, slap yourself out of it, sort your shit out and get back out. And were ground. young people as messed up as they are now? Well, I think young people were... I think young kids were... Well, difficult question. I can't answer that straightly because we were having a conversation earlier this morning about alcoholism, addiction, as you do over breakfast. <laughs> and, um, and I was thinking that, quite seriously, as a recovering alcoholic addict, the temptations in the way of youngsters today are so much more endemic and mm. ubiquitous and are just there and more freely available. And, uh, and there's so much more choice... Um, than there ever was in my day. So I think it, I, I genuinely, genuinely come from the camp of thinking that today's generation has it very tough in terms of the things that are, are challenging them and the outside influences that are coming in. Well, I mean, for instance, I was talking to a friend of mine's son the other day. Mm. We have a very good friendship. Not Carlitos that joins us on here. It's another friend of mine's son. And Have he you got saying... another friend? <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> lots of friends. Oh, right. And he was saying how um, it's just so unbelievably easy to get drugs right, like yeah. you know whether it's snapchat whether you're in the park or on mm. the common mm. you know people will just turn up and offer them and mm. i so i think just that in itself makes life a lot more difficult yeah, yeah because yeah. it was big news if someone yeah. was doing a drug when when we were kids it was huge mm. news but now it's just every kid knows about and i also it. i don't think there was as much of a sense i mean this isn't a chat actually about addiction no. and alcoholism though of course these are two very real no, reasons very why kids could go counseling. into therapy yeah, yeah, and go yeah. into counseling uh, I th- the reason I think it's kind of not a coincidence that we're talking about alcohol and addiction, though, right at the beginning and drugs, is because I think the modern form of grassroots, low-level therapy for most kids that they use on the street, if you like, is drugs and alcohol. Mm. And I think back in our day, even alcohol was still something that had a bit of a sort of mystique around it because, you know, you'd think, I'm hitting the age 16, can I get an illegal drink in a pub? Will they ask my age? We didn't even have proper ID or anything like that. It was a wing and a prayer. You know, drugs weren't so prevalent. You had to really dig deep and go through circuitous routes to find anyone who knew anyone. And it was always the older brother or sister of someone who knew someone. You'd have a bit and you'd have a... You know, and so I think that what ha- what's happening now is that... Um, Kids are able to self-medicate. Well, yeah, exactly. And I, and I think the self-medication is a sign of both a bigger problem for this generation than we had when we were young um, and also will require, eventually, even more therapy and counselling to get themselves mm. out of it. Mm. Uh, so you've got those that you've got the, all those pressures. You know, we've, we've done separate podcasts on, mm. on teens and drugs. You've got pornography in a way that we didn't have it as Mm. kids you've got i mean i know this sounds silly because a lot of people actually don't give enough credit to the problem with food and food as an addiction Mm. you've got an enormous i mean very very enormous choice of of junk food that is available 24 7 lots of kids are medicating with with food, yeah, really yeah, shit right. food. Junk food yeah. um, all of these things were not available to us when we were teens. Yeah. And if my mum used to say, oh, you'll be fine and pull yourself together, I'd go upstairs and I would 
hang out with my sisters, I'd mm. play, I'd call a friend properly just on a phone and have a proper conversation. So it was a very different thing of just go away and sort yourself out. I think, that, yeah, they're but, really, but they're the really... access to everything yeah. that is bad for you to shut up the unrest and the unhappiness mm. in you is just too available. And I think you're right. And I think going back to the, the original question you just asked, do you think that there's need for more therapy now than there was then? You know, are children struggling more now than they yes, were then? I, I think they are, but oh, I think absolutely. they are from, from a... For a twofold, there are two different reasons for this. There's, there's, there's more damaging ways to occupy your time and fix your emotions. Social and, media. You know, whether it be social media, gaming, mm. uh, all, the, all the addictions and compulsive behaviours, they all in turn lead to a higher prevalence of various mental health conditions and mm. they're all kind of mm. interrelated. Compulsive behaviour is often a component, not of all, mm. but of many mental health conditions. Um, and because of that, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy because then the language is around and then there's, a, there's an understanding and there's a kind of street, slick style kind of comprehension of what these isms are. So lots of these kids can quite quickly identify themselves, not necessarily by, oh, yeah. uh, by a sort of trend group like a punk or an emo or a goth or whatever it was in, in my day. They can almost identify themselves by whatever it is their mental yeah. health challenges yeah. at the time. So we've got more kids medicated than we ever yeah. had before on antidepressants, yeah. on anti-anxiety tablets. I think just just anyway, just even adults, yeah. you know, these are so freely given out, these things, as, as, as with a promise of fixing. Yeah. You know, I mean, even counselling, though we both great believers in it, is not does not guarantee to fix. Oh, my God, no. And we hear that. And from a number of people on social media say yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. You, you, there are bad counsellors. There are, you know, it's not just a simple case of going to counselling. It's about no. all the support around, around that. Yeah. But I do think, and, you know, another friend of mine, uh, contacted me last week and is very worried about her son and was asking for me for recommendations for counsellors. And, you know, she was saying it's been a long journey for her to be able to even say, my son might need some help outside of me. Mm. And I think... Is that, that because that's there's a, a lot of shame? A lot of shame? I think, I think it's certainly a journey to get to, isn't it? We now will quite freely say to our children, look... This might be something we can't help you with because we don't know everything and there's, and the world is very complicated and complex in a way that it wasn't when we were kids and we don't have the answers for everything and sometimes asking for the help of somebody else, a professional, mm. that might have real... Is, is a good idea. Now, lots of parents would, and I know that some of my friends have will, have, will say this, mm. would see that as them failing as a parent. Right. That they and should that, have all the answers. So some people have to get over, are, are struggling first and foremost yeah. with getting over the sense that they have failed their children if they have to ask for help. Right. And I really don't, I really, really would urge anyone that feels like that that is not the case. That is right. not the case. And then often people have problems just actually convincing their child maybe that's to, to get some support from somewhere else, to speak to a stranger. But the reason I ask it's about... It's a very strange thing. Yeah, but the reason I ask about the shame thing, and, and listen, we are going to go back because I can, I can remember quite vividly my first experience of a counselling session. And I wasn't that young, but I, I also wasn't that old. I was at college. But um, I do think shame creeps into it. I do think, again, generationally, I think culturally, I think, you know, um, the, the, you know, there are a lot of people, and we have to remember this when, when we talk about these things, we don't come onto these 
chats with advice. We are not a reference guide with a list of support numbers or things like that. What we are are two parents working our own way through and navigating our own way through parenting our children. And perhaps in the way we parent our children, there's something you could do or not do. Or certainly learn from us maybe not to do. Yeah, 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 exactly. There's something that we do that you really mustn't do or shouldn't do or don't want to do, whatever. But I do think that shame and an idea of failure is often attached to the concept of... um, of counselling. And I remember a friend of ours many years ago um, who, when you mentioned to them that we were potentially considering some form of counselling for one of our girls, it might have been one of my, my our older girls, they sort of raised, raised an arched eyebrow and said, is that really the right thing? And, and, oh, no, no, that's not the right thing to do. That's not quite... I don't see why... Why would you do that? Why can't you sort it out yourself? Like, somehow, almost... The very act of taking it to an outside specialist and opening your voice and opening your mouth, because I think a lot of people worry about that. They worry about what the outside world is going to say. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Not only makes it real, but here's the problem for parents. And I think we have to think about this conversation from the perspective of parents and children. Yeah, we can talk about how it can benefit kids and how it can be dangerous if you get the wrong shrink. Parents need to be very willing to, to get real yeah. with what perhaps is going to come up in some form of therapy counselling about their parenting. And I think sometimes I've seen it, I've seen it firsthand, where parents are very resistant to the idea of counselling because actually they don't really want to be challenged in the way that they parent. And so I do think it is a 360-degree thing. If a child goes into counselling, not just your child is going to be counselled. And I think if it doesn't, you know, often when you hear stories of how counselling doesn't work, or when, say, it's a classic example of someone I knew who went into rehab, and a big part of going into rehab, which let's assume rehab is like a massive microwave form of counselling for a month, Mm. uh, the reason that person didn't succeed in their rehabilitation, I would argue, is because they didn't get real with their whole family. The whole family didn't come in, the whole family didn't get mucky with it, didn't get real with it, didn't want to sign up to the mission statement that this person wanted to get well. And I think counselling in a small way is just like that, a smaller way than rehab, is just like that, where, you know, if your child's willing to go in, you kind of, as a family, all have to be willing to go on that journey too. Well, yeah, but hang on a minute, that, that could be confusing because people might think they all have to have counselling. No, 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 no. And that's not, and can be very, very expensive. No, what I mean is go on but, the journey of discovery yeah. that your child's going to go on because yeah. it's going to raise stuff. Yeah, and, yeah, absolutely. And I think that... Um, that's the sound of falling leaves in the background. seeing it as a failure... Yeah then that really serves your child well mm. as well. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's important that you, that, that however hard you might feel, oh, wow, this is me failing. If you can mm. get around that, it's really important because it's never a failure to want to attend to your mental health. No. We all say to our kids, make sure you do a run, you know, have you done your yoga, have you done whatever it is that they're doing, have you done your netball, your football, whatever, because we're encouraging them to have a healthy body. For us, our attitude is exactly the same with the mind. What is the difference? And we've seen that come into crystal clear focus through this pandemic. Mm. Because what are people, where is it all falling apart the most? People's mental health. Absolutely. And, and in a pandemic and in lockdown and in quarantine and all these other words that mean you're basically locked in a room with people that are driving you mad most of the time. Um, you know, where and how can you get, you know, uh, any form of therapy that's meaningful. I mean, yes, you can Zoom it, yes, you could do it virtually, but actually, you know, a lot of the resources out there are under huge duress mm. and there's very few available therapists mm. or slots. Quick question I just wanted to ask you and mm. talk about before we hear from Maddie and Carlitos quite early on in this. Um, 
Were you... My first encountering of, of therapy, I was 19, 20. And I was at university and I went into counselling with over issues to do with... Well, without going into all of my stuff, issues to do with my mother, issues to do with my father, not knowing my father. Um, and I didn't go in for an addiction problem. I didn't necessarily know that that was the problem. But I do remember going in um, and, and finding it kind of useful to just have somewhere, regardless of who they were. I mean, I can't even, you know, I remember going, going, I remember the very room that I used to sit in. I remember the fact that the therapist, somewhere there are tapes of my earlier sessions. Because he said to me at one point, this is such fascinating stuff <laughs> that we need to record it. And I, at the time I was just like, yeah, sure, whatever. And so we had a very sort of rudimentary audio cassette player because it was talking in the 80s. So. And he recorded all these all these sessions, and I sometimes wonder. I think, God, I'd be fascinated to go back and hear them. them. Wow, see how far you've come. See how far I've come, but I can't. (laughs) The the weird thing about therapy, I think, is is that I think as parents and as kids, it's really important for the listener because we have been through a lot of therapy as a family. Don't think of it in terms of necessarily you go in, you get an answer, and Mm. you get a solution. You don't. I mean, we will talk later about there can be bad therapy and there are bad mm. therapy can undo you. It's a very, mm. it can be a bit of a wild west out there trying mm. to find the right person. And there are no really hard and fast rules on how you mm. can avoid that. You know, often, well, we'll talk about that later. But yeah, no, so I do remember having quite a positive experience of my first therapeutic encounter, uh, you know, as, a, as an old teenager, oldish mm. teenager. So it was very useful for me. And sometimes it was nothing other than I couldn't talk to my mum at the time. I couldn't talk to my family. I didn't want to talk to friends about it because sometimes it's just not what men want to do. I was a bloke and I had a, I had a safe space to talk in. And, and I, you know, I often look back and think, oh, I, the reason I'd like to listen to those tapes is if all the problems that later emerged for me, would I hear that they were there? Mm. Do you know what I mean? It'd be fascinating. Well, should we hear from... Um, no, just, just to say sorry. that my first oh, sorry, experience sorry. of it was not actually a therapist, but I went to a homeopath who is our dear friend now and I've been oh. seeing her ever since. And the first time I went to her was when I was 17. Wow, was it? Yeah, and I was Rachel. suffering from terrible migraines. Terrible. Oh, God. Every afternoon at four o'clock, I was just being paralysed with wow. pain. And um, I went to see this homeopath. I didn't really have any belief in it. I was like, oh, I'll go and see this homeopath. I thought I'd be in there 10 minutes and back out, and I was in there an hour and a half. <laughs> uh, now, she didn't counsel me, but as mm. you know, Mark, homeopathy asks for the detail of the details. It's so like you detective work. Every person that's got yeah. a headache is going to be different. So she asked me multiple questions, and I was... Nobody had ever asked me questions like this wow. before. Wow, Nobody ever really asked me how I felt. Mm. Nobody. And it was incredible. And she gave me this remedy, and I had chronic pain for a week. I was in bed, I couldn't move, and I was crying, and I was in a total mess. And every time I called her, she would say to me, how are you feeling? I go, terrible, terrible. And she'd go, good, good, good. <laughs> and I thought, this woman's a maniac. This woman's an absolute maniac. Anyway, suffice to say, after about 10 days, I never had another headache like that. Wow. And it planted a seed. It was like, mm. so what was going on there? Yes, I had this remedy, but I also had this cathartic moment where I said all this stuff so but it wasn't a counsellor because she doesn't come back at you it's just literally investigating and then the next time I had a counsellor was when you went into the priory and the next time I had a counsellor was when you went into rehab and um I had a counsellor because it was a big heavy time and I remember (laughs) I I still cringe about this 
I went in and I sat down and I told him, I didn't stop speaking for an mm. hour. And I told him every horrendous thing that had happened to me in my life all in one go. <laughs> Well, like okay, a huge, think, like you put everything... Every you put, You've got a big black bin liner out and put all your emotions in it and dumped it... Well, no, the all room. the things that had happened yeah, to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like... That's la, 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 la. very good. Very good you did that. Was it? Oh, I still yeah, yeah, no, I mean, that's, that. why, that's how I... Yeah, I mean, that's how I view a good AA meeting. Oh, I cringed about it. Oh, right. But anyway, so... and then Apparently he we've... ran from the building and set his hair on <laughs> fire. But then through our marriage, we've been to marriage guidance counsellors, we've had CBT, we've mm. had various different kinds of... of Therapy, and and we talk a lot about feelings and emotions. We mm. fuck up every day, but we talk a lot about it, and and we talk to our kids about it, and we yeah. talk about their feelings and their emotions. And as, I think this would be a good point to hear from Maddie. Absolutely, let's yeah. do it. So when I think it comes to counselling with teenagers and young people, I think, like with anything else, it helps and works for some people, and then it doesn't for others. Um, I know a lot of people that have had counselling, therapists, um, including myself and then a lot of people in my family as well. Um, and I've heard loads of different, you know, opinions. There's some people that it really helped them and, like, afterwards they felt a lot better. Some people it just didn't do anything and for some people it, like, made it worse. Um, but I feel like with my experience of therapy as well um I think it's always hard at first um and it's just that some people think that it's always going to be that hard and then kind of give up on it um and it's kind of about pushing through that hard part at the start and then you kind of just get used to it um I've always found it like really hard at first because you're kind of opening up to a, well a stranger really at first and um and, yeah, it's quite nerve-wracking and for a lot of people, depending on what, you know, depending on the reason why they're having uh, counselling, uh, they find it traumatic to kind of bring up stuff. Because so, I've got a friend who's um, used counselling for something that happened to her. And for her, she was just like, it's just bringing it all back up and I don't want to bring it up. It probably sounds bad to not want to... Um, kind of come to terms with it, but it's just something I want to forget. Um, and which some people would say probably isn't the right way to deal with the situation, but for some people that just works more than kind of going through it. Whereas I personally, at first, I've always, I'm always like, oh, I'm having to tell you like, personal stuff. And then I get to a point where I'm like, okay, like you're not judging. I trust you. You know, it's actually kind of helping just coming to terms with it. But yeah, I do think like everything else, it's it depends on who you are as a person. So I don't think it's something everyone should do, um, because it can just it can be difficult for some people. But I I always think that it's good to try and do it. I don't think it's good when people use it as like the only solution as to trying to get happy again. You know, it's like people are at a point where they're like, oh, I need counselling for me to be happy or for me to get over this I think it's good to also encourage people to find other ways of making themselves happy other than just counselling because you don't ever really want to depend on one thing I think for how you feel um so it's good I think to have like a balance with it as well because I also know people that 
it really works for them, but it also is just like the only thing that works for them and they can't really figure out how to work stuff out on their own, um, which I think is important as well. Uh, but I've also had a lot of like stuff around, oh, teenagers like shouldn't get counselling because like, oh, it's just normal hormone stuff, you know, they don't really need counselling for it. It's a stupid point that I've never understood and I just, I don't think... It makes no sense to me. I think it's really important that teenagers and just young people in general have someone they can talk to that isn't friends and it's hard to just open up to your parents at this age. So I do think it's important to just have someone that won't judge, won't tell anybody else anything, will help you better yourself. I think it's really important for young people to maybe not have it but at least try it because you know it could help a person um but yeah I think I think with therapy and all of this is just it's like anything else it works for some people and it doesn't for some and it's like good to have like a healthy balance with it as well they're speaking for Jedi well, yeah, we were we were sort of picking around um, before when we were talking earlier because we never listened to what Maddie has recorded before we start the recording, and we didn't know whether she was going to be okay with saying that she's um, used a therapist. And you know, I'm enormously proud of what she just said mm. there because she's saying, you know, yes, it can aid. It can be a tool, but you've got to look at the whole picture as well. It's not just a fix-all thing. Well, to hear her say that is, yeah. is really, really encouraging because, yeah. I mean, one of the major parts of being a recovering addict and all of the stuff that comes with that and all the mental health conditions that have fed into that is that, that you know, the, the oft-used phrase is you don't use just one thing, you have a toolkit. Mm. And in that toolkit, there are various mm. things. And I think it's important to view therapy or counselling as just one potential toolkit, uh, tool in the toolkit. And, and I think something else she said there, which is really key, is that, you know, she said a few times, she knows friends, people, that it hasn't worked for. It's tricky. And, and it's really important to get this. Again, I often say this to Kiki and Maddie around, and Izzy, around issues to do with anxiety, that a lot of anxiety comes from feeling that, that you have no... that you have no control over a narrative that's kind of running out of control. So, you know, decisions have to be made and decisions are being made and it's happening too fast and things are moving too quickly. And I think one of the issues with counselling or therapy is that you can sometimes be led into thinking that you've got to stick with it or you've got to go to the places that it's taking you to or that it's making you move to emotionally. Mm. You know, I've seen in some of the social media comments that have come through that, you know, for some people, you know, counselling has triggered bad experiences Mm. or triggered old memories and it's taken them to places they don't want to revisit. Mm. Well, you know what? Maybe you can touch upon it, but you can always step back and you can always step away. Any good counsellor or therapist worth their soul, you know, and qualified is going to recognise and accept that. What I would would suggest that that could possibly be bad counselling. It could be bad counselling. Now, what I wouldn't say is don't just make that decision based on the first occasion because as Maddie beautifully put there, it is very... It does throw you if you're sat in a room with a stranger, yeah. you're going to open up, what am I going to say? It might take you one or two sessions. My advice yeah. would be always do at least one to three sessions. Before you decide. Before you decide. But it could be unless after. you No, but unless you just don't feel a connection yeah. at all yeah. with the person. Yeah, maybe do you remember once that counsellor I went to and I was like, yeah. I came running out and I went, quick, drive quickly. Yeah. Now, there was nothing wrong with the woman, but she was so 
fundamentally wrong for me. Yeah, you she knew. just Your wasn't the right character for me at yeah. all. I could have made mince meat. So I think as a parent, if you're facilitating your child to go and see a therapist, then I think you've got to give your child an escape route that is also at the same time saying to them, we really want to try this and we've got to give it a go. Because by its nature... I'm going to, I keep using lots of recovery phrases here. You know, one of the great things about getting your feelings back with sobriety is getting your feelings back. One of the worst things is getting your feelings back. And the, often the point of therapy is to go into difficult places to feel the pain to be able to come and to back then come out. back out. Because we're all running away from pain all the time, aren't we? That's the thing. Absolutely. That's where we all get, in whatever way that we are, how yeah. we're trying to distract from that. So I think... Sometimes when people say it's too painful or I get too triggered, it's because actually maybe you've been mm. running away for so long mm. that that maybe you just need to walk into the fire a bit. And that brings us... But only with a really good cancer. Yeah, and that brings us in full circle back round to why the prevalence of drugs and drink has mm. such is such a successful thing mm. with teenagers and, and such a prevalent thing well, because, teenagers... because it does that thing. It yeah. allows you to run and hide. It allows you to... You get towards the difficult feeling and you can just blot out the mm. difficult feeling. This is why I always say be really mindful. We now have consciousness of this. We didn't used to. Mm. But re be really mindful around young people by these simple things that we can all say as adults. Oh, God, I need a gin and tonic. Or, oh, after the day I've had, mm. I'm opening a bottle of wine. Very, very innocuous sounding, but actually we are by osmosis putting mm. that into our kids' heads that actually what we do is we medicate mm. ourselves with something instead of saying, that was a really hard day and actually I feel really bad about Absolutely. it. And I, and, I, and I was reading something the other day about how to be with your younger children to have happy teens. And one of the things that they were talking about was, and we actually did used to do this, um, we should have happier teens. Um, we come in and you say, okay, tell me, uh, tell me, two great things and two and two not so great things mm. that happened today and sometimes they would get irritated sometimes they would love it but I used to quite push them on oh come on so then and actually what you're doing by that is teaching them that to, to actually think about what went on with their day and vocalize it mm. even if it's or sometimes if they don't want to get them to write it down if you start that quite young they start to recognize their feelings go I'm feeling that way rather yeah. than being taken away with it because some feelings come in and they don't know what to do with it and they want to rush and shut it up either with video games or with drinking or with picking a fight with their brothers and sisters or something mm. run away from the pain no absolutely absolutely discomfort and I, yeah and I think I really like the thing that Maddie said there as well about a lot of parents you know guard yourself if you find yourself as a parent just sort of saying you don't need therapy this is just what being a teenager is all about oh, I think that you know, really devalue, devalues their feelings well it devalues their feelings but also I think what I would try and say about that is Let's get off this idea that generation after generation has to have this slightly competitive arched eyebrow. It was eyebrow. much worse for us. Precisely, much mm. worse. I, that's why, when you're going back to the conversation <clears> we had this it. morning at the kitchen table, I thought to myself, actually, in many, many, many ways, it's much worse for this generation. I've heard parents say to kids, oh... You think you've got it hard? Crikey, we no, didn't no. have a phone. And my God, we were lucky if we got five presents for our Christmas. But children problem. actually, 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 things are what we teach them to mm. have. Mm. Feelings and feeling carefree and feeling joyful and being playful. These are all the things, even adult children, you know, of like in their late teens and early 20s, that's what they want more than anything, an attention of their of their parents. Mm. So if you do that quid pro quo, well, it's all right because you look at all this stuff that you've got, mm. you know, oh, God, and when we, we were much poorer, but, 
you know, and bless them. You can see kids being confused by that. Yes, I have got this phone. Yes, I have got these trainers. Yes, I, I am getting 20 presents mm. for Christmas. Things don't fix. I mean, how many people, when you were in rehab, Mark, were there for shopping Shopping oh, God, addiction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shopping, sex, gambling. Yeah, things, things don't. Things yeah. aren't as good as feelings. No. Um, I, I, or I, I do want to be devil's advocate a little bit here, though. Is is there a danger? I mean, would you say that therapy per se? I mean, when we discuss the idea of having this conversation, my first reaction when I when I thought about teens and therapy is, wow, it's very middle class. It's very, um, you know, because it co- there are there are many components to this. It costs money. Um, You've got to have availability. You've got to have, as I just said, you've got to have a sort of willingness within the surrounding and supporting family to kind of support. You can't just have someone going off to counsel and then coming back and the same old shit's carrying on all the time at home. There's got to be an element of compensating for the fact that they're going somewhere and opening up. You know, like when we know the girls have gone off for, you know, Izzy went to therapy when she was much younger, when she was really struggling with me and her mum split split Mm. and all that sort of stuff. You know, just going to these things and, and having no support or dialogue with your family can almost negate the point of going mm. because mm. you just walk, they walk straight out into the same crisis mm. or the same problem. So I did worry that perhaps this is a bit, is it a bit middle class? Well, I mean, there is a lot. I think it's called CAMS, isn't it? There's yeah. a lot of, um, you know, I mean, I know the waiting lists are vast. Child and Adolescent Mental Health Services. Yeah, yeah. yeah. NHS so service. there are a lot of people now, those services are being stretched because there well, are so many people. People waiting lists. Yeah. Two-year two waiting list. I mean, I mean, we had someone contact us saying they've been waiting for two years. Now, mental health issues that require yeah. immediate counselling can't wait two years. But what I would say is a friend of mine, another friend of mine, whose um, daughter, uh, I'm just picking around this carefully, let me just say was having a crisis. Mm. Um, she went to her GP and she was in a crisis. Not like, I'm not talking about suicide or anything, but something you would definitely be worried about. Right. Like, and she was seen within 48 hours. Right. Like on the National Health. Okay. To then find, to see whether... I mean, she was subsequently told that she was fine and she didn't need a counsellor. Oh, right, okay. But, I mean, you know, there are services there. And I think I think the fact that it is, it is difficult to get access to doesn't mean that we shouldn't have this mm. conversation because I think there are a lot of people and, you know, Maddie, you know, has said there herself that she's seeing a therapist. That came out of lockdown and mm. us being really worried about the impact of lockdown. And there are so many people talking now about this, about worrying about their children's mental health. So I think people have just... I think people are curious about what goes on. And so that's why we decided to to talk about it. But, but believe you me, we are under no illusion that we are very lucky mm. to be able to pay mm. for... And we wouldn't even think of going through the GP because we mm. can afford it and we know those places need to be left for people that, that would struggle to pay. Which doesn't mean to say that, you know, every therapist you find online is going to be a good therapist. You get mm. good therapists and bad therapists. I had a therapist who fell asleep. And yours was one of the most expensive therapists he, I've ever heard he, of. He'd been, he'd been <laughs> a therapist to someone who worked with Nixon. There was a photo of him shaking Nixon's hand. Mm. can't believe Nixon had a therapist. But, you know, he was proper dog's bollocks, this guy, and snoring in a corner. Mm. He was very old. He was very old. I got him at the, in, in his twilight years. 
Now, before we record each episode of our podcast, we ask you to get involved on social media. Hashtag Confessions of a Modern Parent. If you want to get in touch on our Instagram, it's at Nadia Sawala and Family. On Twitter, at Nadia Sawala. And if you're a little bit scared of Nadia and you're a little <laughs> bit worried that she might tell you off, you can always come to lovely, cuddly old me at, <laughs> at, on Instagram at Mark underscore Adderley. A-double-D-E-R-L-E-Y. Well, on social media, we've got Francesca Bastos, who's one of our regulars. Uh I'm a teacher and I give one-on-one lessons. It's a privileged position to have them open up to you. They crave to hear from adults and I constantly feel I can't help and they should get therapy. School growing up expectations are often too much. Well, my my sister says that. She says sometimes what the kids reveal is just absolutely heartbreaking about the stress they're under oh, yeah. and how they have to achieve this and that and that yeah. to keep their parents happy and it, it, it's yeah. extraordinary um bethy kitch i'm 20 had cbt for two years 15 to 17 hated it stuck it out but then the system dumped me that's that well, that's a of... very long time to have cbt i yeah. mean the thing is i i always say you know a counselor they say don't they if you're going for years then you have to question Mm. the counselor yeah Um, i mean often what they'll do in cbt one of the points of cbt is that they will define a number of sessions mm. um i mean a starting point is the cognitive behavioral therapy center there is a sort of a a fixed central body Uh, she goes on to say by the way bethy kitch didn't help me in any way at all and actually triggered me and made it worse now you know that that we don't know that could be a bad counsellor, a bad therapist, that should have been managed more. Mm. You know, it does seem strange that you were in CBT for two years because I think, you know, it is supposed to be a a much more focused and short-term session. Mm. Um, I'm just being careful because some people want to be anonymous. Liv, I'm 20, had counselling since 12. I feel very privileged to have have access Mm. to it. It saved my life. Oh, wow. Uh, The Pawson Boutique, yes, trying to get to see one during a pandemic is a nightmare. Yeah. And it is a nightmare, and it is difficult, and we we managed it. But again, I think Anxiety UK. I think I don't know whether they still are were offering, and also to contact places like please, please, please contact Childline mm. because they are very much up and active and are there to help all ages. And I would reiterate, I've said this many times on a lot of our YouTube lives and mental health chats. You know, you know, organisations like the Samaritans and Mind, they don't necessarily you don't necessarily need to reach out to the correct group or charity that is directly specific to your needs and requirements. But you can always reach out to these people and they will point you in the, in the right, right direction. Next, dire- yeah. next direction, you know. So I think it's just often it's a case of just getting to speak to anyone. Uh, Becca, I'm 21, I have counselling, CBT. It's helpful to have someone I trust to talk to outside the family. Mm. And I think that anonymity mm. is great, you know. I mean, I think, you know what, Maddie said that as well. And I think it's because as parents, we want to try and fix it. We want to come up with solutions. We want to think, you know, and that can be very frustrating because sometimes somebody just wants to be heard and say, this is shit. And I'm not happy with it. And knowing that it can't be fixed. Yeah. So hard as a parent not to try and fix things. Absolutely. Lucy Whedon, my son has crippling anxiety and in a family of eccentrics, it must be so hard for him. Oh, oh it's taken God. me three years to get my son to be seen by CAMS, which is the NHS service. Three years. <sighs> three years. That's so hard. Um, Lolly, my 12-year-old went to a counsellor, the worst experience ever for us. Choose carefully. Oh, my God. Yeah, and I would say that we've, you know, in the, in the searching, there are obviously all sorts of uh, qualifications you need. There are also lots of what I would call sort of online, you can find holding organisations that are accredited sort of organisations that certain therapists have to sign up to. Mm. And that's quite good. You know, they have them in the fields of addiction counselling as well. So... 
Uh, this person wants to remain anonymous. Counselling can only be a good thing, as said. Therapists all say we carry trauma that affects us. That goes back to the fact that I've always said when I came out of rehab that everyone would benefit from group counselling. It's a very different dynamic to mm. just sitting opposite a, mm. a person who starts a stranger but ends up not a stranger. Mm. But group counselling is something that's really key and I think it's mm. one of the elements of rehab I wish was almost done in schools. I mean, I, I, mm. I almost feel like I want to push for a campaign to encourage group counselling where... At schools. At, within yeah. schools, where yeah. you get groups of kids because I tell you what... You I once went to a group counselling workshop kind of thing. Do you remember years ago? Yeah. And it had an incredible effect on mm. me, long-lasting, incredible effect on Be- me. And also because sometimes you manage to sort of nix and get past the idea of mm. what's he, what does he know? He doesn't know me. Whereas if you talk to your peer group and you've got clever counsellors yeah. who are steering this steering conversation, you'll, you'll come up against challenges in yourself and about mm. yourself because they're reflected in others. In your, in and your just class. a little shout-out. If you're a young person listening to this and maybe... You know, you, you something to consider if maybe you are your problems are stemming from things at home like maybe alcoholism mm. or addiction, or you yourself are worried about drinking or drugs. The uh, the Al-Anon, which is Alateen, which is for teenagers who are whose family might have addiction mm. problems, is totally free mm. and is somewhere somewhere that you can reach out to. And they're all doing Zoom meetings at the moment, which might be quite nice because actually, yeah. going, I, I remember going to a children of adult alcoholics, adult children of alcoholics. Yeah. So it was my first ever 12-step meeting. They can be quite intimidating walking into these 12-step meetings. And actually, I would go so far as to say that the Zoom situation that we find ourselves in is a brilliant way yeah, to sort accessing. of more gently access yeah, without yeah, yeah. sort of stepping over a threshold. Alan on all of those. Someone else anonymously here says they put words into her head she didn't actually have and it made it ten times worse. Wow, wow. bad counsellor. Bad counsellor. Uh... Someone else anonymous, yes, 100%. My daughter has struggled for years with onset of depression and self-harm. Oh, so this is yes, as you. in therapy is important bless and is you. good. Bless you, big hug to you, Mama. Uh, as a young person, new mum, Lisa, I saw three counsellors and they were all shit. Oh, God. This is this, Cookie Carol Creates. Oh, yeah, we love your comments on our Instagram. Uh, peer support is fantastic. I facilitate one called Rainbows. The kids oh. blow my mind so open. And peer support is kind of what I'm talking about. With, yeah. With share, you know, group sharing. That That's where you're essentially, your peer group is, you're bouncing off peer your group. Peer support, I love peer that. Support. Do they do that for me at my age, 55? Yeah. <laughs> well, you do it every day on Loose Women. I do. <laughs> Uh, Donna Foster, my son is 25 and I worry so much about it. He's happy, but men do suffer in silence. Uh, well, maybe this is a good point good opportunity for us to listen to, listen to Carlitos. To Carlitos. Yeah. And before I play this, obviously I have no idea what he's going to say. Yeah. But I do know, because I cleared it with him before, that he's happy to talk about his experience with counselling, so I well, think I didn't this realize is, he'd, he'd gone. Yeah, yeah, so I think that this we are very, very lucky to have this. It's so wonderful to have it from a male, a young male perspective. So uh, ahead of time, thank you, Carlitos. Now mm. let me see if I can find it. Here we go. A therapist or really any kind of mental health professional can give you like a new perspective on an issue that you might be having. Um, they can give you a better understanding of your own emotions. And I, I really commend that. I'm not sure if that's the right word for it, commend. But I'm, I really, like, praise that. And I, th- I think what they're doing is good because, it's, it's, you know, it's always nice to hear an opinion from an outside perspective. Um, therapy 
I know that therapy or counselling can also improve um, self-esteem, relationships. Um, and I know that many people go to therapy or counselling for many different reasons, you know, depression, anxiety, grief, stress, addiction, um, confidence. I think I've said self-esteem already. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's a plethora of reasons. Um, I can speak from experience. I had a tough time between, well, from the end of year six, uh, really, the transition to secondary school. So I think 11, age 11 to 12, I think that was the, from year six, um, and all the way through to the beginning of year eight. And, um, so the whole of year seven, really. And at that point, uh, the beginning of year eight, my confidence was just on par with where it should be. You know, it was, it was literally gripping the surfaces. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough to be able to open up about my troubles and my worries to my parents and that's when we decided to enlist the help of a private therapist in London um and I I was I was I kind of knew what was happening but I was still too young to really understand what was really going on um I thought I was fine I knew I was worried but I didn't think I was you know I needed help from anything um and I thought I was fine from where I was looking and Looking back on it now, I really wasn't. Um, I'd never, you know, seen a movie or or with a therapy session or anything. I'd never really actually heard of therapy before. So I wasn't really sure what to expect walking in the office. And I remember him asking me loads of questions and I'd just answer them like, like an interview. Um, and... Now I know that I was supposed to do most of the talking instead of the doctor, but whatever. I know, I know, I know now, but it it worked for me. Um, and after I think a few months, it was we had a session as a family, and he wanted to talk about how I am as a person with the whole family, and I I remember that being the last session. And after we left, it was it's so weird, like during each session, I must admit, I was skeptical. I was thinking, how is this going to help me? What We're just talking like what's what's this going to do? Um, but after I realized that, like after the last session, I'd realized how much he'd actually helped me. You know, at the start, I was really, really bad. Um, I'll give you an example. Recently, uh, the other day, my mum told me. We were talking about it, and my mum told me that while she was at Good Morning Britain, um, oh, um, sorry, she's, um, I don't know if you know, but my mum's a makeup artist at ITV. She was at work. Um, obviously, she's there early as Good Morning Britain is a breakfast show. And she told me she'd receive about 20 phone calls from me before I even got on the bus in the morning just to tell her my worries. Um, you know, what if, what if this, what if that, what if, the, what if I miss the bus, what if, what if someone approaches me on the way, you know, all these different types of worries and, and it got to the point where her friends noticed and they were like, my God, he really calls you a lot, doesn't he? And she was like, yeah, I know, um, he's just worried. Um, and I, I find that interesting because I really, the thing is, I really do not remember that at all or even ever being that worried about anything um 
it's it's really weird that is I think and it's almost as if it's been you know locked in a cage and pushed away to the back of my mind um I do remember being you know stressed about what others thought of me and trying to fit in with the boys at my old school and obviously PE was a like my worst subject it was a big challenge um no disrespect to anyone but looking back on it why was I so worried about these people they were just little children picking on people immature kids with nothing better to do nothing more than that and I just I realized I am so much better than that and so much better than them um I had such little confidence and I think that they noticed that and took that as an advantage right we're going to pick on you because you're not going to fight back Whereas if they were to do it now, I, I'm going to defend myself, you know, um, because I've got a lot more confidence now. And um, I'd really let I really used to let people trample all over me. But ever since I had that therapy and moved school, my confidence just shot through the roof. And now I have so much confidence, all the confidence in the world, more than I actually ever knew that I could. And I'm finally, you know, happy with myself. Um I, it was a huge, huge struggle I went through. But I must say that therapy did play a big part in it, um, in in me gaining loads of confidence. Um, it, I know it doesn't work for everyone, but it is worth a try if you do need it, you know. I'm really glad that I went, and I'm so pleased how it worked for me, and I'm so pleased where I am in life right now. Um, <laughs> uh I'm just I'm not afraid to try anything now and I'm not afraid of anything or anyone in, anymore in general. Um so yeah, I I'm just so pleased with with everything. I'm so pleased with who I am right now. Oh, <laughs> Nadia is, is crying opposite. <laughs> that, well, that's made me very emotional because obviously yeah. um Carlitos's mum is my very very dear friend Lisa and I was just sitting here as her hearing that and I will send that to her right after we finish recording to listen to that because I I very much remember how how anxious Carlitos was and it's so and also it gives me hope that Kiki will forget how anxious she was when Mm. she was small Mm. um and I mean could there be could anyone have put that more beautifully and perfectly about how, when it works, how it, well it can work? I was just going to say, as a salutary lesson in, in, in telling us how, when it can work, well, it works so well for you that, you know, there was a boy who went into a situation, a strange situation with a professional, not knowing whether this was in any way appropriate, right or needed, didn't even, wasn't even aware of there being problems, as he beautifully articulated, wasn't aware that he was calling his mum 35 times in the morning. And to have that awareness given to him so that he can then obviously put in place things that, you know, the thing about therapy that's so clever, it's, kind of, it's like alchemy. You don't go in necessarily, for anyone who's listening hasn't done it, you don't necessarily go in and, you can go in and have sort of do A, B, C, D and E, CBT's a bit like that, uh, and you'll get these results. But what you will get is by talking through things, the skill of a skillful, you know, the craft of a skillful therapist is that they will take you on a journey of self-discovery, essentially, mm. so that you will 
start to unpack why things happen and realise that they don't need to happen like they do. And he just put that beautifully, I thought. And, and I think, and it reminded me there, him saying that they went, I remember when they all went for a session at mm. the end, and I remember Lisa, I'm sure she won't mind me saying this, felt very nervous about that, like mm. we have when we've been in with the session with, uh, with, with, with Maddie. Because you do go in and you think, oh, God, right, OK, they've been for six sessions, now I've got to go in, now it's going to be where I've gone wrong mm. and it's my fault. And it's really never like that. But I don't know about you, I myself as a parent, for somebody to give me a bit of a window into what's going on into my beloved child's head is just joyful. Mm. And so if you are concerned about that and if you're a parent listening to this, oh, I wouldn't want to hear, actually, when you just hear what it could be, because it's really, oh, you've done this and you've done that. It just might be just them telling you how they feel. Mm. Um, I also think it's really so... a really top tip as well is, is really, whilst I've said already that, you know, as a family, you often need to be able to support a teenager or child in the family that's going to go and see a therapist or counsellor, but, but there's a fine line between supporting and not then overly asking. I mean, we make a huge point of not over-inquiring. I've never over-inquired with Actually, Izzy. that's a really good I've bit of advice. I've never over-analysed or over-pushed. When, and, and, I think, mm. and I think it's really important that we you respect the sanctity of that space because actually that locked out feeling, which a number of people have mentioned on social media, I want my child to go but they're because so, they're so locked out and I'm so locked out from what they're feeling, but they won't do it, they won't do it. You know, it's very hard. What you can say to them is, well, here's a space that I will know nothing about. Yeah, I think this is a very... I would have been very upset if we got to the end of this mm. podcast and hadn't thought that we need to say this. Like when Maddie started going to therapy, and this is... We were lucky because we've both been to therapy, so we know what it's mm. like, that sometimes you can come out of a therapist and the very last thing you want to do is talk, talk about what about you've it, just yeah. said because you're processing it. So right at the beginning, we said to Maddie, listen, we will never ask you anything about what's happened mm. right we'll be desperate to know and we don't want you to think this we're not engaged in you we're not, we're not thinking yeah. but it's about us respecting that you may not want to tell us because you're working out stuff and she said yes mum yes mum she's never told us a bloody thing no, <laughs> no. and it's like i'm really holding yeah. my because you really want to go, so, uh, so what did you say then yeah. uh, so how did it go but don't don't do well, that no, and i think it's really important because i think if you have got a teenager who's reluctant or sluggish and doesn't want to do it and is circumspect like carlitos was like any teen like any teen would be yeah if you can give them the guarantee that this is going to be a protected space, yeah. it's not going to be... This isn't about going to see a specialist who then who's then going to report back to you. There might be a session where they bring the family in. But, you know, when the family is even brought in on those sessions, it's going to be very much from the POV of how to support the teenager, not how looking after the yeah. family and giving them information that yeah. they, they haven't known and I think before. And I think if you're trying to convince your child yeah. to go, maybe a thing to do is to say, listen, I think you need a bit of a break... From us. From us, yeah, exactly. I think you... Des- you, sh- you Whatever the situation, if they're struggling, you'd know your child best. But if you say, you don't seem, you don't seem very happy. Now, mm-hmm. this might not fix you, but maybe you deserve to be a bit happier than you are and maybe they'll be able to help. Mm. And, and, you know, put it all in their court. If you, if you, if you approach them like, you need to get fixed because you're all driving us mad and you need to go exactly. to a bloody counsellor, that's a very scary place. Yeah. And I would say that you would either waste your time in a waiting list or waste your money if you're paying. 
because I don't think that that would be conducive. And also, really, that's you as parents and as a family wanting, wanting it for your sake, not for their sake. Yeah. You know, you've got to, yeah. it's got to be for the child in question. And I would say a nice little detail that I always do as a dad is where I can and where, where you're available and where you're free to. Try and make the getting to the therapy session and the coming away from the therapy session mm. as conducive and agreeable as possible. So, I, you know, if I'm, in the, if I'm in the vicinity, I'll often say to Maddie, do you need a lift from your session? Mm. Because actually there is a lot of processing. There's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of highs and lows that go on in these. In these. I mean, I feel like I need a session and I feel like I've God, had a session. Jealous. I want a session. Oh, well, there you go, guys. Thank you, guys. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's like a session. How much yeah. do you charge? <laughs> That's it for this episode of Confessions of a Modern Parent. If you'd like to comment on any of the topics we've discussed today, we'd love you to get in touch. Use the hashtag Confessions of a Modern Parent. If you want to find me on Twitter, it's at Nadia Sawala. And on Instagram, it's at Nadia Sawala and family. And if you fancy getting in touch with me, it's at Mark underscore Adderley. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate and review. Tell your friends and get involved. And you can hear more episodes of Confessions of a Modern Parent on Global Player or wherever you get your podcasts. Bye. Ta-da! <laughs>